And we thought on this day that it would be good to just spend time together during the season and just to be together as a church family. And again, if you're visiting with us, it's good to have you as our house guests today. We're glad that you're with us today uh, as well. And uh, just a marvelous time to be able to celebrate the Christmas season together and to sing the songs of Christmas, to hear the sounds of Christmas and to participate in those together. Well, if you look at your bulletin, it says meditation. Usually it says message. So that just means this is a shorter sermon today. I just wanted to take a few minutes to remind us that Christmas really is all about family. You might hear those words a lot uh, during these days, but when you hear those words, mostly it, uh, it means that Christmas is all about our physical family. Uh, mom, dad, children, and extending out into aunts, uncles, and, and uh, cousins, and grandpa and grandma. Uh, many of us will be getting together with our families this Christmas, and so in that sense, yes, Christmas is all about family. Christmas is a family time. But if there's anything that we've been learning recently as we've been studying the Bible together, especially as we've been in in 1 Timothy together, is that God likes to use that family uh, household picture to describe the church. It's one of his favorite analogies for the church, to describe it as a household, to describe it as a family. And so Christmas is indeed about family. And so having a church family Christmas service like this is totally appropriate. We here, the blood-bought people of God, have been brought together by him supernaturally to be a family. We are part of the household of God. And that's why it is that we enjoy singing these songs together. That's why we've enjoyed um, being together as a church family this morning and to fellowship together because Christmas really is about family. And Christmas, in particular, highlights uh, that reality. It's because Jesus came to earth that there is such a thing called Christianity. And it's because Jesus came to this earth that there is such a thing called church. We go to lots of passages to see that, but I want to point you to just a couple of those passages. And to show you just a, a couple of things about the relationship between Christianity, Christmas, and the church. First of all, Christmas is where the church begins. Christmas is where the church starts. It's interesting to me that Jesus thought of the church already while he was living on this earth in those three years that he came to this earth as a man. Yes, the church didn't really become a thing until uh, after he rose from the dead and after he ascended back up to heaven. But back in Matthew 18, Jesus says these five words. I will build my church. That tells us that with Christmas, God already had in mind the formation of the church. In fact, God had the formation of the church in mind even before creation in eternity past. But baby Jesus is the one that will build his church. He's actually, we could say, just by those five words, he's the architect, he is the builder. And he is the owner of the church. I will build my church, he says. What a glorious thought that is. And as we gather together today and as we gather together this Christmas, as we gather whenever we meet, we can know that this Jesus that we celebrate is building his church and his over his church. And he 
ends that by saying that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Nothing will prevail against the church because Jesus is in charge of it. And Jesus is building it. But secondly, Christmas is what holds us together. What is it that ultimately unites us and that keeps us together? What has kept this local church in existence for now over 87 years? What has kept the larger, uh, extended, global church going for almost 2,000 years, despite many efforts over history to try to stamp it out, to try to silence the church, to try to shut it down? I just read this week uh, the story of the overthrow of the Romanian Empire back in 1989, right around this time of the year. The government there tried to silence and to kill the church in in really the most brutal ways. Yet throughout that time, a flicker remained. And that flicker eventually turned into a literal light and a a mass overthrow, instigated by one church in Timisoara, Romania. Similar efforts to stamp out the church are going on even today in places like Aleppo in Syria. Well, what keeps the church going and together? What is it that keeps the church vibrant and united? Well, think about the fact that Christmas has a lot to do with that. Consider these verses from Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verses 12 and 13. Paul's writing, he says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So that's past. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And it goes on to talk about some wonderful realities there. But I'm just going to go down to verse 18. It says, For through him, that is Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then... You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. There's that picture again. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together, again there's those words, into a dwelling place For God by the Spirit. And so there are those structural building metaphors that creep in there as well, mixed with this family picture. And and in those verses, you see the triune God working to put this all together God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. But notice that it's Jesus, this baby that we celebrate, that is the cornerstone, He's the foundation, He is the glue that, that joins us together. And that keeps us together. This fellowship that we enjoy as a church family is directly tied to the one who was born in a manger in Bethlehem. See, Christmas is about the church. And so we can be grateful. And so when we we now come together to worship God corporately as this community, as a family, it is owing to Christmas. Yes, we can and we should worship God by ourselves, when 
when, when we're on our own, when, when, when we're in our prayer closet or wherever it is, that, uh, that, that favorite chair that you have at home when you, where you read and where you pray, yes, we should worship God alone. But there's nothing quite like the church family coming together, united in heart and in mind, filled by the Holy Spirit, with Jesus as our Lord and God and our King, to sing our praises to our God. Ephesians 5, 18 and following, paints that picture for us perfectly. It says, be filled with the Spirit. And what happens when people are filled with the Spirit? The church is filled with the Spirit. It says, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Notice that when we sing, we ought to address one another. So don't just look up here when you're singing or look up at the cross or close your eyes. Those are all good things. Look at one another once in a while while you're singing. Because it says here, addressing one another with singing with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. And then it says, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. As we are collectively filled by the Spirit of God, we, all all of us together, address one another with singing. And then we make melody to God and give thanks to God in the name of Jesus. So Christmas is where the church begins. Christmas is what brings the church together through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christmas is what joins the church together and what keeps it together. And Christmas informs our, might call it our family worship. Christianity, Christmas, and the church. So how is it that we now go out from here? And how is it that we experience the joy of Christmas. Well, pastor and author Kevin DeYoung helps us with that. And I want to just close with an article that he has written, that he wrote just last week, somewhat lighthearted a little bit, uh, called 10 Ways to Be a Christian This Christmas. 10 Ways to Be a Christian This Christmas. I've kept uh, the 10 titles the same and just changed the descriptions a little bit. But this is what he writes. He says, Christmas is almost here. And that means many of us are tired frazzled, stressed, and busy. The next week will go by in a blur, from family to church to food to family to football, back to church, back to family, back to food, and then back to work. We love Christmas. We can't wait for the day to come, and many of us can't wait for the season to be gone. But whether you love every nook and cranny about the holidays or consider most of it noise, 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 there's no excuse to be grinchy and scroogish. Here are ten ways that we can remember to be Christians this Christmas. Number one, sing like you mean it. Sure, there are some Christmas carol clunkers, but there are some amazing hymns too. Some of the ones we sang this morning. See, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, or Of the Father's Love Begotten. Let all mortal flesh keep silent, and many more. Belt them out with gusto. Smile and take delight in the familiar sounds of the season. You may not hear them for another 11 months. Number two, say thank you. Over the next week, you'll get some gifts picked out for you, and you'll eat food someone prepared for you, and you'll enjoy hospitality someone laid out for you. We're told to give thanks in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Surely this includes Christmas. 
stop to offer a sincere thank you to your mom or to your husband or to your kids, your aunt, your grandma, whomever. It'll be good for your soul, and it may just make their day. Number three, put the phone down. (laughs) Go ahead and take a few pictures and post a few updates, but let's not turn our Christmas experience into another commodity for mass consumption. Look people in the eye. Be present in the moment. Let the world's tragedies and scandals and funny cat videos take a back seat for a day. Number four, enjoy some cookies. Oh, the dreadful holiday pounds. Sure, we need to be on guard against gluttony, but we need to be on guard against stern self-denial too. God created food to be received with thanksgiving. Eat up and don't feel bad about it. 1 Timothy 3, verse 5, passage Pastor Andrew preached on a few weeks ago, for everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected that is made holy by the word of God in prayer. Number five, talk to your family. Why not put in five minutes worth of thought on the way to to Grandma's house to think of five questions? Maybe conversation flows easily with your family, but for many people, it takes some effort to engage our relatives, especially those we don't see often, and those with whom we have little in common. Give people the gift of your curiosity. Number six, find time to be quiet. At some point, get away and be still, even if just for ten minutes. Even if it's in your bed after everyone else is asleep, go on a walk, take a long shower, get up early, sit in the dark, look at the snow, stare at the tree. Just be quiet, ponder, and pray. Number seven, pray for opportunities. What if we prayed for at least one opportunity in the next week to share the gospel? I bet God would answer that prayer. Maybe we can talk to a friend or a family member. Maybe we'll find a surprisingly open door for conversation at the mall, or out to eat, or on the plane. Maybe we have not, because we ask not. Number eight, make a year-end gift. Your church is probably trying to make budget, so are rescue missions, crisis pregnancy centers, Christian schools, mission agencies, and dozens of other kingdom causes. Go ahead and be generous. We won't outgive God. Number nine, quit complaining. Something will go wrong this Christmas. Someone will hurt your feelings. Your parents' house will be too hot. Your brother's house will be too cold. A meal will be barely edible. Your obnoxious friends might just be extra obnoxious. Still, God is more pleased with gratitude than with grumbling. If we learn to overlook a few offenses, we'll be happier too. And number ten, Rejoice to hear the story one more time. Matthew 1 and Luke 2 are coming at you. So are Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 9 and Micah 5 and many of the same passages you hear every year. No bother. In Philippians 3 verse 1, Paul says, To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Let's pray that God gives us ears to hear again and again with fresh wonder that God came down to be with us and that he is with us still. Let's bow together in prayer, and then I'm going to ask Kelly to come and lead us in song, and Donna as well. Our great God and Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you have saved us into your family. We, by faith, are your sons and daughters. We have been saved by 
Your grace alone, through faith alone. And you have given us the great privilege of being part of the church. And this is all true because of those events that happened in a tiny town, in a humble manger. Lord, we are grateful beyond words because of what you have done for us as individuals and what you have done for us in uniting us as a family of believers. All honor and praise goes to you. And now we pray that you would help us to live Christianly over these next over this next week as we celebrate the season, as we celebrate the great things that you have done for us and as we honor and as we praise you and as we thank you in return for what you have done for us by sending your son to us. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen.